I want to speak to you on this subject. The vertical believer. Now, why, why do so many Christians suffer and people who don't know the Lord and are even uh, resistant to the Lord seem to be so successful and so powerful? Has that question ever surfaced in your mind and heart? Are you struggling with that question today? If you are, then you need to know you're in good company. In fact, in Job 21.7, Job said this, Why do the wicked still live, continue on, and also become very powerful? In Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 1, Jeremiah said, Righteous are you, O Lord, that I would plead my case with you, Indeed, I would discuss matters of justice with you. Why has the way of the wicked prospered? Why are all those who deal in treachery at ease? In Habakkuk 1.13, the prophet wrote, Your eyes are too pure to approve evil, and you cannot look on wickedness with favor. Why do you look with favor on those who deal treacherously? Why are you silent when the wicked swallow up those more righteous than they? Hey, you read your Bible. You pray. You come to church. You give your tithes and offerings. You are sincere in your faith. And despite all of this, your life is a struggle from day to day. Then you look around and you see movie stars, high-dollar athletes, and successful business leaders living in the lap of luxury. They have great careers. They have huge homes. They have fine cars. They have exciting romances and good health. And with, with that, other questions begin to form in our minds, questions like these. Where is my reward? Is it even worth it to serve God? Have you ever had those questions? Ron Dunn warned about this dangerous perspective that can creep into our minds and hearts. He said, and I quote, we believe that God owes us special treatment, that life ought to be fair at least a little bit. After all, if I'm a child of God, if, if I'm striving to live for him and to honor him, I think God ought to take that into consideration. Really, when God starts passing out all the calamities of life, he ought to remember that I am his child. I feel I should get special treatment. Yet the psalmist is saying that the truth of the matter is that we oftentimes will look at the wicked and they seem to be getting, getting along so well that we become envious of them, even frustrated over the fact that they're doing so well and we're taking it on the chin. Now you need to understand something. Jesus said that as the world progresses to the point of the nearness of his return, that things are going to get worse and worse and worse. 
Jesus said, if you desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, you will be persecuted. Jesus said, if the world hates me, you need to know that the world will hate you. So in Psalm 37, David wrote these words when he was old. His perspective was developed in the crucible of life's experiences. For so many years of his life, he ran from King Saul who was trying to kill him. And then he ran from Absalom, his son, who was trying to kill him. And David understood that as a godly man, it looked like those who were not godly were being favored and he was being tortured. David wrote in Psalm 37 verse 25, I've been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging bread. Now that's a perspective that all of us should embrace. So here's the question. How do believers live in a wicked world where godless people seem to prosper and godly people seem to struggle. Now there's a truth I want to drop in your heart today. It's a truth that David makes very clear in our text today. And here's that truth. It's a challenging truth, but it's a truth that every born again believer within the sound of my voice needs to understand and they need to adopt and embrace in their own lives. Here's that truth. We have got to adopt a vertical perspective to life, not horizontal. You see, here's the thing about it. If you look horizontally and you see this movie star or, or this famous athlete and they've got everything that life could offer, they've got money by the, by the bushels, they've got the finest of everything, and, and you think, man, they've got it made. But you don't know what's going on in their lives. You don't know the struggles that they face. You don't know the emptiness and the lack of satisfaction uh, that they deal with every single day. And we've got to develop a vertical perspective. Let, let, let me tell you this. If we get our theology right, we won't have any trouble with the struggle about why do the wicked prosper and why do the godly suffer. We've got to get our theology right. So I want us to dig into this psalm and see what David had to say to us. Look at verse 1. He said, do not fret because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers. That word fret comes from a primitive root, which means to burn or be kindled with anger. It's a picture of angry frustration that sets up in the heart of one who is trying to live for God, and yet he looks at the ungodly and everything seems to be going great for them. It's an angry frustration. Three times in this psalm, 
David's, David instructs us to avoid fretting, to avoid it. And then he said, be not envious. Envy is a cancer that will absolutely eat your soul totally out. Rachel was envious of Leah, and Leah was envious of Rachel. Joseph's brothers were envious of Joseph, and King Saul was envious of David. And we must not envy the godless under any circumstances. In fact, in Proverbs 23, 17, the Bible said, Do not let your heart envy sinners, but live in the fear of the Lord always. So we must not fall into the traps of fretting or envying. A true vertical perspective of life flows out of what we believe and know to be true about God. We must understand the character and attributes of God and the promises of God along with his eternal plan. Look at verse 2. and It becomes clearer here. For they will wither quickly like the grass and fade like the green herb. David said, look, the wicked and the ungodly, they seem to have everything going for them, but he said they will wither and fade like the green herb and the grass. We have such a narrow focus on life, but we've got to embrace God's perspective. God's ultimate plan includes the marvelous blessing of those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Look, we may struggle now, but I'm telling you based upon the authority of God's word, the best is yet to come. And you've got to understand that the person who rejects God, who rejects Jesus, they have their best life now, but we have our best life in eternity. In Luke chapter 16, Jesus told the story of the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man had everything you could imagine. He had fine clothes. He had the most sumptuous food. And Lazarus was a very poor man. And he had a disease that was literally destroying his body. And he had nothing to eat. And he would hang around at the rich man's table just to get some scraps, some, some morsels of food that would fall to the ground. And yet both of them died. And Jesus said this in Luke 16, 25, after both of them had died and they went and Lazarus went to Abraham's bosom, he said, Child, remember that during your life you received your good things. Abraham was talking to the rich man. You received your good things in life. And likewise, Lazarus, bad things. But now he is being comforted here and you are in agony. I, I tell you, listen, there's going to be a great reset one day and it's not what's taking place in the world today uh, uh, of eschatology. There's going to be a great reset one day, and God's going to make sure that the great reversal occurs, and those who have struggled, who are believers, will be blessed infinitely for all of eternity. And those who have been received the, the good things of life and had no concern for God, no concern for Jesus, they will suffer for eternity in a devil's hell. God is a just God. 
We need to know that. God is a fair God. One of his spiritual laws is called the law of sowing and reaping. In Galatians 6, 7 through 9, Paul wrote, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. Good theology will protect you when life seems unfair. If you're a believer, know that God loves you and that one day you will be with him in glory. So we've got to adopt a vertical perspective to life. Now, to get this vertical perspective firmly rooted in our lives, David says we've got to take four practical steps. Number one, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Look at verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Now, what is trust? Well, trust is faith. It's the starting point for the Christian life. But it is also a continuing necessity for living as a believer. In Psalm 118, verse 8, the psalmist wrote, It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. True faith is active, not passive. Notice what he says here. Trust in the Lord and do what? Do good. Do good. Let me remind you of what Paul said again in Galatians 6, 9. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. This vertical perspective of life means that we have our eyes on Jesus, that we're not looking horizontally at what this one has and and you don't have, or what this one has that you don't have. We're looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Our, 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 our attention is focused on Jesus, and we are serving him. We're doing good. We're doing what Jesus wants us to do in life. We're not moaning and groaning and griping and complaining because they've got something I don't have, or they've got something I don't have. No. We're actively engaged in serving the Lord Jesus Christ and doing good, obeying the Lord Jesus. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. That's one of those little theological truths that we've got to embed in our hearts when it seems like we're taking it on the chin. We're getting a left hook, we're getting a right hook from the, from the world, and everybody that's rejected God seems to be doing so well. We need to remember Romans 8, 28. I tell you, good theology will literally change your perspective. Because of this, we do not abandon our faith. We keep on keeping on for the glory of our God and Savior, Christ Jesus. This is the first key to developing and maintaining a vertical perspective. Here's the second key. 
Trust in the Lord, number one. Number two, delight in the Lord. Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. This literally means to take pleasure in. Can I ask you a question today? What do you take pleasure in? What do you take pleasure in? Is it food? Is it clothes? Is it shopping? Is it it athletics? What, What do you take pleasure in? So many things that bring joy to our lives are so fragile. Our health is fragile. Our our family is fragile. Our jobs are fragile. Our finances are fragile. Everything is fragile. We must find a source of joy that is tamper-proof. Boyce commented on this principle of delighting yourself in the Lord he said this, he said, he said, God is the perfection of grace, compassion, mercy, kindness, patience, and love. He is, in other words, like Jesus Christ. And the better we know him, the more inevitably we delight in him. The reason many apparent Christians do not delight in God is that they do not know him very well. And the reason they do not know him is that they do not spend time with him. So let me ask you, how much time do you spend reading your Bible? How much time do you spend in prayer? How much time do you spend in worship on a day other than Sunday? Knowing God is the key to delighting oneself in him. Do you know God? Are you growing spiritually? Let me say this to you, just a little bit of shift in our perspective will make a world of difference in our lives, a world of difference. Notice the promise he makes. If you delight in him, he promises to give you the desires of your heart. And some of you are saying, oh boy, this is going to be good. He's going to give me the desires of my heart. Now understand this. He's going to give you the desires of your heart that will not harm you, that will not inhibit your spiritual growth. It doesn't mean you're going to get a brand new car. It doesn't mean you're going to get an airplane. It doesn't mean that you're going to get a a, a new spouse. It doesn't mean any of that kind of garbage. It means that God will give you the desires of your heart, the desires that he wants to place in you that will help you, not harm you. David's laid out for us some very important principles in this chapter. But the main thing he's saying to us, I don't want you to miss it, because we deal with it all the time. The main thing he's saying to us is we've got to adopt a vertical perspective to life. We've got to look vertically. If we focus our attention horizontally, on what people have that we don't have, it will cause us to fret and it will cause us to be envious and it will literally destroy our spiritual lives and our spiritual growth. So how how do we adopt this vertical perspective? Number one, trust in the Lord. Number two, delight in the Lord. Number three, commit to the Lord. Look at verse five. Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he will do it. 
Commit your way. Here's a picture created by this powerful Hebrew word. It's a picture of a man burdened down with a load. I mean, it's heavy. And it's so heavy, he's stooping. And he's trying to get somewhere where he can unload that heavy load and get it off his back. It means literally to roll your trouble, your, 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 your weightiness, the thing that's bogging you down, to roll it over to the Lord. That's literally what it means. You know that God is concerned about every facet of your life. Every facet. He does not want you to worry or be tied up in knots by the things that you are seeing from a horizontal perspective. We must learn the value of trusting God for the big things and even for the little things. In Proverbs 16, 3, the Bible says, commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be established. In 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7, Peter wrote, therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. Look at, listen to verse 7. It sounds like Psalm 37, 5, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now, David attached a promise to this principle. He said in verse 6, he will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as a noonday. Now, look, if we look horizontally, we've got to understand that we're not going to get any pats on the back from those who are wicked. We're not. We're not going to get any pats on the back for loving Jesus and, and coming to church and reading our Bible and praying and seeking to obey God's word. We're not going to get any pats back on the back from the world. But I want you to know something. The Bible promises right here that one day in God's timing, he's going to bring forth your righteousness as a light and your judgment as a noonday. The idea here is one of fairness and vindication. If we seek to honor him, he will honor us. One day he'll make sure the whole world will know how righteous you are. And he will right every wrong that has ever been perpetrated against you. So how do we gain this perspective? How do we maintain this perspective? Well, number one, we trust in the Lord. Number two, we delight in the Lord. Number three, we commit to the Lord. And fourthly, we must wait for the Lord. Do you know that 43 times in the Old Testament, we're told and commanded to wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Remember Abraham? God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, you're going to have a child. You know how old Abraham was when God made that promise to him? 75. Do you know at what age he had a child? 100. 100. He waited on God for 25 years. He waited actively, not passively. He didn't quit on God. He kept serving God. So the Bible says in verse 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. The idea of resting in the Lord is, is one of, of, 
uh, of being silent. It, it's one uh, of, uh, of patient faith, not self-assertion. Listen, so many people, when they look at what's happening around them and at a horizontal level, they see how others are, are, are seemingly so successful and, and so prosperous. They begin to murmur and gripe and complain. And they accuse God of not being fair. That's a horizontal approach to life. And that's no way for a Christian to live. We're to wait patiently for him. The word there in the Hebrew is a picture of a woman in labor. And she's waiting for that baby to be born. She can't rush it up. She has to wait for that time. Waiting on the Lord is the continual daily decision to say, God, I will trust you and I will obey you even though the circumstances of my life are not what I want them to be. Lord, I'm in it for you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. Lord, I'll never quit on you. That's what it means to wait patiently for him. We've got to give God a chance to work. Listen, when you read a book, you read a book and there's a plot in that book. Now that plot does not become apparent to the end of the book, right? And then it becomes apparent. But it's like we want God to give us everything early. You got to realize, folks, that we do have a book. And we can read this book. And this book shows us and reveals to us how everything is going to turn out. And we don't have to wait until the end of our lives or until the end of time. We can read about it in this book. And we know that in the end, we win. We win. Why? Why do we win? Because we deny ourselves and we take up our cross daily and we follow Jesus. That's why we win. We don't win because we got more money than anybody else. We don't win because we got a finer home than anybody else. We don't win because we got better cars than other people have. We win because of Jesus. In Lamentation chapter 3. Jeremiah wrote, the Lord's loving kindness is indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. Do you hear that? The Lord is good to those who wait for him. Will you wait for God? Will you wait for God? You say, Pastor, I'm getting so impatient. I want my piece of the pie right now. And you're going to forfeit God's best if you, if you go down that road. That is a horizontal perspective of life. And it is absolutely deadly to a believer to live like that. The Lord is good to those who wait for him to the person who seeks him. Listen, in, in Hebrew chapter 12, verse 2, 
it says we ought to keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That's a vertical perspective. And that's the way every one of us should live our lives. But wait. Why does the Lord withhold his judgment on the godless? Why, why does the Lord withhold his judgment on those who reject Jesus on those who blaspheme the name of God, on those who feel like it's perfectly okay to kill babies in the womb, for those who adopt an alternate lifestyle. Why, why does God withhold judgment upon them? Why doesn't God just take care of everything now? Well, we need God's perspective, don't we? Here's what Jesus said in Luke 6.35. This is a word to believers from the lips of Jesus. He said, but love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. Now listen to this last part of verse 35. For he himself, God, is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Wow. The abortionist. The one embracing an alternate lifestyle. The Bible says that God is gracious and compassionate to them. He's kind to them. You know what the Bible says in Romans chapter 2? The Bible says the kindness of God leads to repentance. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says it's not God's will for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Why is God so patient with evil and wickedness in the world? Why doesn't God give them their just due now? Because he wants them to be saved. He wants them to believe in Jesus. That's the kind of God we serve. My king is known for his mercy. My king is known by his love. My king is known by his grace. So why should we as followers of Christ wish harm upon those who are living wicked lifestyles. Why don't we pray for them? Why don't we do good? Why don't we pray for them? Why don't we look for opportunities to share the gospel with them? That's what we're commanded to do. That is a vertical lifestyle. That's a vertical perspective. There's some of you in this room, there's some of you watching live stream. And you spent your entire life rejecting and resisting the gospel of Jesus. You've heard it countless numbers of times. And yet you said no. No. Because you want to live life your way. And I tell you, dear friend, God loves you. For God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God does not want you to perish. He wants you to come to faith in Jesus. And I want to invite you this morning to come to Christ. Come to Christ before it's too late. You've got to understand there's an urgency about the gospel. Today is a day of salvation, the Bible says, not tomorrow. One day, listen, one day God's patience is going to come to an end. One day you will have received your last chance. And I pray that today you will believe in Jesus. I'm going to ask our worship team to come. I'm going to ask our staff to come. And in just a moment, we're going to worship. And if you would like to receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord, if you would believe in him and believe the gospel, I'm going to ask you to come to one of these staff members and just tell them that today you want to be saved. I I can tell you, God wants you to be saved. He says so in his book. It's not his will for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Come to Christ today. And listen, if you're a believer in this room, we've talked about a very important principle today. Adopting a vertical perspective. Not getting hung up with a horizontal perspective that always produces fretting and envy and locking us up spiritually. But adopting a vertical perspective where we look at life from God's perspective and we seek to honor Him in everything we say I want to invite you as a believer to come to the altar. Just come. And ask the Lord right here at this altar. You pray. You say, Lord, please give me a vertical perspective. Lord, I've fallen into the trap of envying those who are wicked. I've fallen into the trap of angry frustration over the wickedness around me. And Lord, I I need your perspective and and pray for those four steps to be implemented in your own heart. Trust in the Lord. Delight in the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord and wait for the Lord. You come to this altar. Hey, if you and your family are looking for a church home, Come to one of our staff members. We'd love to, to, to serve the Lord with you here at Carnival First Baptist Church. Let me pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your grace, your kindness, and your love. Father, I pray that you would work supernaturally in the hearts of men, women, boys, and girls who are in this room and those who are watching live stream. Oh, God, help us to have a vertical, vertical perspective. In Jesus' name, amen.